the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Let us pray. O risen Lord, you came to your disciples and took away their fears with your word of peace. Come to us also by word and sacrament and banish our fears with the comforting assurance of your abiding presence. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our text for our sermon is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy He gave us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that is undying, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Through faith you are being protected by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end of time. Because of this you rejoice very much, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various kinds of trials, so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which passes away even though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, yet by believing in him you are filled with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of our Lord. The main lesson for the first Sunday after Easter is the gospel history according to St. John as recorded in chapter 20, verses 19 through 31 where the disciples, for fear of those that they think murdered Jesus, are meeting behind locked doors. The women saw him and said he had risen. John and Peter had seen the empty tomb. What's going on? Suddenly Jesus, shall we say, apparates into the room with those locked doors, and they get to see the Lord who has risen. But the apostle Thomas was not there. And when they report this to Thomas, he says those famous words, Unless I see and stick my hands into the nail holes, I will not believe. Imagine if that's where scripture ended. None of the epistles, none of the apocalypse of John, any of that. Just boom, that was it. What things be like for you? So today our sermon theme is, What if scripture ended with the uncertainty of Thomas? Now we thank the Lord they do not. And if you'll allow me to preach on my translation of the Greek, it's not good English, but it brings out the subtle nuances of the Greek language. Verse 3 says, Praiseworthy is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy brought us to rebirth, resulting in living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I could preach an entire sermon on this verse because the Apostle Peter says a mouthful here. First of all, he's given us all this grace according to his great mercy. Not because you and I were so lovable, not because we earned or deserved it. No, it's because God is a merciful, gracious God. And what has he given us according to his great mercy? He's given us a rebirth. Now, the Greek word that's used there obviously would include rebirth. However, it has the preposition ana in it. And so really the picture in that word is upward birth, heavenly birth. You cannot understand what Peter is talking about here if you deny original sin. The idea is, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Because of Adam and Eve's fall into sin, 
You and I are spiritually dead. Now, a dead person cannot give birth to themselves. A baby cannot cause its own conception. God has given you an upward, a heavenly birth. This is a birth of a new man that is connected to Christ, that is alive and ultimately culminates in heaven. And so we're told resulting in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As Martin Luther said in his commentary on 1 Peter, God works through means. If you want God to just appear and say, hey, I'm going to save you, boom, that's not how God works. He works through Jesus' resurrection, where Jesus paid for your and my sins, and his resurrection is God's receipt to you that your sins are paid for in full. And he works by telling you, having his word recorded, sending somebody to speak the word to you. And this gives you what Peter wisely calls a living hope resulting in a living hope. Now, I don't like the way we use the word hope in English. I often say, I hope I win the lottery. However, I'm too cheap to buy lottery tickets. So while I hope I win the lottery, I know I'm not going to because I don't possess a ticket. To hope you win a lottery is one where you know you're not going to, or there's a good chance that you're not going to, even if you've bought a ticket. Christian hope is a confident expectation. You know that Jesus rose. You know your sins are forgiven. It's not an arrogant expectation. It's God has given you the receipt that you are alive in him. And so you have a living hope. Now, this is not a dead hope. Sometimes people do have a dead hope. They claim to be Christians because they like to celebrate Christmas by giving gifts. But their hope isn't alive. When hard times come, they don't show that they're trusting in God because they don't. You have a living hope, which means you know that as Jesus rose, you rose, which means because Jesus ascended into heaven, you know he's ruling over all history for you. And so we see that if the Bible had ended at Thomas saying, I won't believe, we would have a lot of doubt. We would lose everything. But the scripture makes it clear that Jesus has risen. You have a confident expectation of everything God promises in connection with that because he has given you a heavenly birth. You have a new man. And so our text continues in verse 4 telling us this is a rebirth, this heavenly birth, resulting in an inheritance that is imperishable, cannot become impure, and cannot wither, which has been watched over in heaven for you guys' benefit. When the coronavirus struck one day, I wanted to get some canned vegetables that I use for a recipe that I had invented for my family, and I turned into the canned food aisle in the grocery store, and it was empty. People had reasoned that canned foods have the longest shelf life, and so they bought those to make sure they would be okay during this time. But you know what? Even those canned foods eventually go bad. You, by that heavenly birth, have been made a child of God. And so you have an inheritance. And that inheritance is the package deal. It's you have forgiveness of sins now. You are God's child now. God rules over creation for you now. But it culminates ultimately in you get the new heavens and the new earth. God is keeping that safe for you. And this is something that it's not going to eventually go bad like even food in a can will. It says it cannot become impure. People during this coronavirus have rushed out to buy water filters because they reason that the city water has some filters and a cleansing process, but 
They need the security of knowing that they've got something that's even better, one more stage they can pour it into the filter and see it themselves. The teaching of God's Word, for example, is pure, but human beings make it impure by adding their false teaching, by adding what they want instead of what God gives them, which is what they need. This inheritance for you, it's kept in heaven. Like I said, the ultimate culmination is the new heavens and the new earth. That cannot be tainted. It will be free of sin. The devil can't screw that up. It will not be made impure, and it cannot wither. I have tulips that started to come up here, and then suddenly the Wyoming winter has come, and my wife and I are going, boy, we hope they come back this year so that they bud. Actually, with our tulips, they will wither by the summertime anyways. Sometimes we think a treasure that way too. If you have a family heirloom, for example, that's made out of silver or brass, just leaving it out, even though keeping it protected, it will oxidize and you'll have to polish it. And as a couple of generations polish that to keep it shining, they'll be wearing out the metal as well. No treasure lasts forever except the treasure God gives you, which is the package deal. It culminates in the new heavens and the new earth, but you are children of God now because he's given you that heavenly birth, and it, it will never lose its luster. God's grace shines out. The forgiveness of sin shines out. The glory of the Lord in his love for you shines out. And believe it or not, while this is kept in heaven for you, your love shines out. More on that in the second part of our sermon. And then we're told which is watched over in heaven. And you have to pay attention to the prepositions in the Greek language, or if we're working in the Old Testament, the Hebrew language. And here it has the Greek preposition ice, and then the personal pronoun, which I translate as you guys in the plural. This is an especially emphatic way of saying the glory isn't the treasure. It results for you. God emphasizes this is for you, especially for your benefit, not for God's benefit, for your benefit. And so verse 5 says, you guys are being guarded within God's power through faith, resulting in salvation that is ready to be unveiled in the last time. When Christ returns, we get the culmination of everything, the new heavens and the new earth. But in the meantime, it's guarded in God's power. God's power is not the world's power. The world doesn't see glory and power as God hangs naked on a cross to die for our sins. But there, you see the greatest active power of all kind because he defeats all the sins of the world. It's only unbelief that damns a person to hell, period. But God has given you faith. That is that upward birth, that new birth that we've been talking about. And he keeps you in that faith, not by your doing exercising and running three to six miles a day or whatever. It's God's power. It's God's power that comes to you through his word. It's God's power that comes to you when you do devotions. It's God's power that's given to you when you partake of the Lord's Supper. It's God's power when your neighbor assures you of the forgiveness of sins. And it results in salvation, the ultimate culmination when you get that new heavens and the new earth. So I've asked that question, what if scripture ended with the uncertainty of Thomas? Well, you would not know about your heavenly birth and treasure. But now, even in times of battling with the COVID virus, you can look at that and be okay. You can be okay because you know no matter what happens in this life, you have a heavenly treasure. Lots of times people would say, oh, you're just living because you think when you die you're going to get this fantasy land. What good does that treasure do you now? You can't spend it now, can you? Or can you? It may be kept in heaven, but you have access to it. 
In our first lesson for the first Sunday after Easter, the Apostle Peter, talking to the crowd in Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 28, tells us, Indeed, David says concerning him, that's Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon my life to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Remember, Jesus was only in the tomb for three days. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. See, David, even though Jesus hadn't even been born yet, his descendant, that would be a thousand years away, David could say even then, I will not be shaken. And you know what? That heavenly treasure, we can spend it, but we can't spend it so that it's gone. It replenishes. When you tell somebody their sins are forgiven in Christ, you're throwing heavenly treasure at them. And yet it replenishes in heaven. It's an abundant supply. We are battling with quite a trial right now. It's called the COVID virus. The people that Peter writes to in Asia Minor were battling with being persecuted because they were Christians. And he knew a tidal wave of persecution was coming from the Roman government itself. And so, in verse 6, he says, in the aforementioned, what we've just covered in our sermon, verses 3 through 5, you yourselves continue rejoicing exceedingly, although at the present moment, if necessary, being made sorrowful for a short time in various trials. Just like David could rejoice and say, I will not be shaken, even though he had people who hated him for his belief. Peter continues in verse 7, So that the testing of your faith is more precious than the testing of gold. The testing of gold perishes through fire. Although your faith is being tested, it's done so that it may be found with the end result of praise and glory and honor in the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The Hebrew language in the Old Testament had two primary words for testing. The Greek language of the New Testament has two primary words for testing. And gold's a good example of that. The one word is testing, do you have gold or ingot? Fool's gold. The other one is, you know you have gold, so you're testing to see how many carat it is. Now here, Peter talks about you test gold, you put it in and you melt it. And any element that had a melting point below gold would be burned up in the fire. The Christians who were being persecuted for being believers were actually being tested by God. Now, when God tests you, it's not for his knowledge and his benefit. He knows everything. In their particular case, he was testing them to show them, look, you have faith. And those who denied the Lord in order to save their own neck, God actually, even though they failed the test, used that for their benefit to show them that their faith was not that strong. And and many people he did strengthen, and they repented of that later. The COVID virus is a test. I'm not saying it's the only reason why God has allowed the COVID virus, but it is a test. For the sheep that I serve in my flock that have remained strong in the Lord, it's interesting as they start saying, you know, Pastor, it's been a while since we've had the Lord's Supper. If this continues, can we plan a way that the members can be edified by the Lord's Supper? Certainly. So in their case, there was a test that God was showing them that they're staying strong in the faith and letting them see even absence from his means of grace is not something they appreciate. They've been tuning into the sermons, and I appreciate the encouragement that they've been giving me as well. For some people, they have stayed away from church anyways. They were not regular attenders, and now they can't come to church. And I have got to see where the word of the Lord through this trial has woke them up 
I wasn't clinging that strongly to the word of God. And now I can't join with my brothers and sisters in Christ and encourage them in person the way we used to. Oh, how I long for the time when we can gather together. Some people have hoarded food and other supplies. And as Christians, God was showing them, you're selfish. You're not trusting in my providence. Others, as I was talking to a friend who is not a member of my church, was talking about they had managed to buy a huge pack of toilet paper and shared it with neighbors and things like that, saving enough for themselves but sharing their extra with others. The test that God showed them was that they do have love for their fellow human beings. Recall that once God converts you, he calls you to serve others by showing his love. And so we too are undergoing a test right now. And you would not have great joy during that trial. You would not know that God is using it for your good to strengthen your faith and to show you where your faith is strong if the scripture ended at Thomas's uncertainty. So verse 8 continues, Although you have not seen Jesus Christ, you continue loving him. Although you continue not seeing Jesus Christ, you continue believing in him. And you yourselves continue greatly rejoicing in him with unspeakable glory-filled joy. Even during the time of a virus like the COVID-19 virus, because we love our fellow man and respect our government, we are not insisting on gathering together in a large crowd. We practice social distancing. And we know we don't want to share that with somebody else if we contract it. But we know if we contract it, even if we're the worst case scenario and die, we have great joy because we're going to go to heaven to be with our Lord. And we know in the meantime, God is using this for our good and the good of American society. And one of the trials that I do believe God is giving people with this is to make Americans appreciate again their freedom. Too many people turn to government to solve their problems and totally forget God working behind the scenes. It's waking people up to realize government's made up of sinful people, and if God doesn't bless it, it's not going to be so pretty. And so in verse 9, the apostle Peter says, You are carrying away so as to preserve for yourself the end result of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. God continues to bless us. We continue to rejoice because of that upward heavenly birth. And so we continue having that joy. And we view this life differently because we always walk through this life keeping in the distance the ultimate goal that we're going to get the new heavens and the new earth. And so I began this sermon asking you, what if scripture ended with the uncertainty of Thomas? And praise the Lord, it doesn't. Because you would not know about your heavenly birth and your heavenly treasure and know that that treasure cannot be spent. You throw that treasure at others when you share with them the good news of forgiveness and you live knowing you're going to receive the culmination of that treasure when you are given the new heavens and the new earth, which are free of diseases like the coronavirus, which are free of sin, which are free of decay. And you would not have joy even in painful trials. But it didn't end with Thomas's uncertainty, did it? And so you are confident even during this time that God is using this to show you where your faith is weak and where it's strong. And when he shows you where your faith is weak, he's shoring it up because you are alive in Christ. And that culminates with the new heavens and the new earth. Confident because Jesus rose, you know those things are yours. Amen. Now, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, both soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Let us pray. 
O Lord God, our strength, our song, and our salvation, you fulfilled your promises by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Thanks be to God, you give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In your compassion, you sent Christ the Good Shepherd, who laid down his life to rescue the lost. Drive out all doubt and gloom that we may delight in your glorious triumph. Lift our eyes heavenward to see him who lives to make intercession for the saints and grant us confidence in the greatness of his power. Keep before us the vision of your redeemed people standing before your throne and singing the song of victory. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive wisdom and power and honor and glory and praise. Make us instruments of your peace as we bring the good news of hope and new life to those around us. Guide us in the use of all that you have entrusted to us, our time, our talents, and our treasures. Risen Lord, live in us that we may live for you. Merciful Lord Jesus, grant healing to the sick and strengthen the faith of the suffering and the dying. Assure them of your abiding presence and comfort them with the hope of eternal life. Gracious Lord, as one of the members of our flock has suffered the death of his father this week, we pray that you comfort him with the sure and certain knowledge of your word that all who die believing in Jesus Christ shall rise, that in him we have treasures in heaven. As another member of our flock had to have a large mass removed from her leg, we thank you that so quickly she was able to be told that it is benign and she can rest in the comfort of knowing it is not cancer. Lord, across our nation and even in our own flock, we have many who have become unemployed and furloughed due to the shutdown in our economy so that people can stay home. We ask you, Lord, to let them see your providing hand. We ask you, Lord, to let our individual states open up the economy quickly so that these people can return to work. But, Lord, as our governments begin to open up the economy and allow people to return to work, we pray that you guard us that this does not lead to a worse outbreak of the COVID-19 virus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you work through doctors and scientists to discover an immunity or a cure for this, and we ask that you bless the various medications that they are testing now that they think help people improve from the worst impact of this virus. But as we heard in our sermon today, Lord, we also pray that you allow Christians to look at this as a trial in which you are strengthening their faith. And so we pray that throughout this you allow Christians to let their love and their trust in you shine through that the world can be reminded of your love and grace. We especially pray, Lord, that you give us the opportunity once again to begin gathering together as your flock in formal worship, that we may be encouraged by each other and encourage each other in person once again. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Gracious Father, you have restored to us the joy of your salvation. With happy hearts we come before you and say, Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.